I'll invite you to turn to John chapter 1 this morning as we begin a new study. We have about a month before Easter. I thought it would be good for us uh, to uh, take some time uh, to ask, who is Jesus? Uh, And today we're going to see John's answer to that question, who is uh, Jesus? When I was about five years old, my parents brought us uh, to a pool party. It wasn't really a pool party. It was springtime. But it was a party where there was a pool, and at five years old, I could not swim very well, uh, and yet I was fascinated and drawn to the pool. Um, and I remember, uh, you know, five years old, bending down near the pool and, and kind of splashing in it and being warned to stay away from the pool. Uh, and of course, I didn't listen, and so over and over, I was over there. My sister was next to me as I was splashing in the pool, and to this day, we do not know whether or not she pushed me in or if I fell in into my own um, I think she pushed me in, trying to. She saw an opportunity and took it. But I fell into the deep water, uh, the deep end of the pool, and began thrashing about because I could not swim. Uh, very quickly, my dad jumped in, grabbed me, and pulled me out of the deep water, uh, and I was saved uh, from drowning. Well, a lot of times, whenever we jump into passages like the one we're about to jump into, we feel like. Uh, a five-year-old drowning in the deep end of the pool because the theology is so great. And because the theology and the thoughts that come out of this kind of passage are so great, what we tend to do is we tend to want to avoid theology. Theology, of course, is the study of God. That's simply all it is. Theos, God, uh, lology or logic, the study of God, that's all it means. But we want to avoid it because we get afraid of, of jumping into these things and it's deep. Uh, and we don't want to be overwhelmed by it. Uh, the problem with avoiding it is that regardless of whether or not we study it or we uh, give ear to these things or give uh, attention to theology, we are all theologians. And actually being someone who says, I don't want to study anything too deeply, is a very deep and historical theology. All right? You cannot avoid being a theologian by your very creation in the image of God, you are a theologian, so there's no excuse for us, okay? You have thoughts about God. The question is, are they good thoughts or are they wrong thoughts? Are they true or are they false? Thankfully, we have uh, God's Word this morning uh, that gives us true thoughts and true ideas and true things about God so that we can know about Him. Um, usually, whenever people... Uh, they think about theology and think about the deep things of God. Uh, they go to one error, one error or the other, one extreme or the other. There are people who say, well, I don't want to think too deeply uh, about God, and they don't like the, the study part of God. They just want to have God, the theos, the God part. Uh, I have a friend who went to seminary, uh, Denver Theological Seminary. It's a pretty good seminary. He went there. He was there for three years. He studied very hard for three years. Uh, And then he came back from that, and another friend asked him after that time, what did you learn? Well, this friend that had studied for three years said, I really only learned this, that what we need to do is just love Jesus. Um, We just need to love Jesus. After three years, that's when he came back, and that was his great takeaway from three years of very expensive and hard study. And my other friend responded, if that's what you got, you need a refund, okay? Okay. What we tend to do is we tend to say, okay, yeah, we do need to love Jesus, but if that's all there is, you don't have to go to seminary for that, and we don't have to think very hard about those things. But, uh, and so that's one side of it, if you just take, uh, if you don't want to study, if you don't want to think too deeply about God, 
then that's what happens. You only have God. The problem is, um, what if your thoughts about God are wrong? What if your thoughts about God um, aren't directed by the study of the Scripture? And what if you have all these bad thoughts about God? Well, it, it looks like modern Christianity in the United States today where people are devising God after their own image and they're worshiping the God of their creation and not the God of the Scriptures, not the God who actually exists. And so we recognize we need to study. Uh, more than likely in Presbyterian circles, we have the other extreme of people that say, well, we want all the study, but we don't really like the God part. And so you have people who study and study and study and study, and yet they tend to forget God in the midst of all that study. Uh, my argument is that we need to have both the theology, or the theos and the logic. We need to have both of those things combined together. And John does that very well for us this morning. We're going to see who Jesus is, and first of all, in verses 1 through 5 of John, that Jesus Christ is God. Let me pray for us, and then we'll read this passage together. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for giving us the truth. We thank you for communicating to us through the word, and that we can trust your word. Father, I pray that you would help us to see your son's glory more and more through it, and that our hope would be in him, that our faith would be encouraged to be in him, that if anyone here today does not know your Son as Lord and Savior, that their faith and hope would be in him. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hear God's good and kind word this morning. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. This morning I want to see this passage in three ways. First of all, we see that Jesus Christ is the preexistent word. Secondly, we see that Jesus Christ is the almighty creator. And thirdly, that Jesus Christ is the light and life of men. So first of all, in verses 1 and 2, we are told that Jesus Christ is the pre-existing word. There's a lot of bad thinking out there about Jesus Christ. You can turn on Fox News. You can turn on CNN. You can turn on just, just about any social or any media outlet out there today. And especially over this next month, they're going to be talking a lot about who Jesus Christ is. Most people in the world, regardless of creed or religion, believe certain things about Jesus. And they actually believe, most everyone does today, that Jesus Christ actually, actually existed as a real historical figure. It wasn't that long ago that you would hear people um, ignorantly saying that we can't really know if Jesus existed as a historical person. But let me say that the good news is today that most everyone believes that, yes, 2,000 years ago there was a man, Jesus of Nazareth, who walked among us. And yet, bad thinking about Jesus persists because they don't go to God's Word for that information. Most people out there think that Jesus Christ was a good teacher that he taught things about God. Most people believe that Jesus was merely a good teacher. They also will say things like Jesus was a philosopher of sorts, that he had all these philosophies and things that he was trying to teach us. Uh, and then uh, the more 
as you get more and more liberal, the more liberal that you are, you tend to think of Jesus merely as a social reformer. And so Jesus was all about meeting the needs of the poor and of the weak. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus did, of course, teach a lot of things. His ministry for three years was full of teaching. And he was a philosopher of sort because he did practice philosophy and metaphysics and ontology and how we know things and epistemology and all this. He did all of those kinds of things. And he was a social reformer of sorts. But to say that he was merely any of those things misses the point about how the scriptures present him to us. Because Jesus, although he was all of those things, it it actually begins in a much bigger place. Here in John, where do we begin? In John 1.1, we begin, we think, at the beginning. In the beginning was the word. But notice the way that John puts those words together. In the beginning was the word. That word was, very important for us to understand. It is not saying here that Jesus is something that was created at the beginning. Jesus existed before the beginning. In the beginning was the word. He was there before creation. Now John begins differently than in the other three gospels. John doesn't begin with the genealogy of Jesus the way that Matthew does. He doesn't begin with John the Baptist the way that Mark does. And he doesn't begin with the pronouncement of the birth of John the Baptist the way that Luke does. All three of those books are attempting to give us the uh, historical and, um, and human ge- genealogy of Jesus Christ. But John wants to take us all the way back, thousands and thousands of years ago, and ask the question, who is Jesus, by presenting to us that Jesus is the pre-existing word. Um, there's this question that I've asked the youth that I've gone over with Mills and John Barley who are here um, most more frequently. I've asked them on Wednesday night, uh, where was Jesus before he was born? Do you all remember the answer? He was in heaven. John Barley got it right. He was in heaven. That's right. Uh, I do that, and I've done that with all the youth, and I've asked, where is Jesus Christ? Where was he before he was born? Well, sometimes when you first go through that, you say, well, he wasn't anywhere. Well, no. The Bible clearly presents to us that Jesus Christ is the pre-existing word who existed before all things. He had no beginning and he has no end. He was prior to the beginning. We also see here the very next thing that the word was with God. The word was with God. Let me just make one note real quick about that word, word. What's the word, word mean? Uh, well, the word, word can have a variety of meanings, either Greek or Jewish audience. Uh, the, the Greeks would have thought of the word as the purpose for all things that, that existed in the world. Uh, the word was uh, the purpose of the world. So if you were a Gentile, if you were a Greek, you would say, well, the word, the logos, is essentially the purpose for everything in the world. If you were a Jewish person, you would say the word of God is God himself in his creative capacity. So you go back to Genesis and you recognize that the word of God is God himself. So whether you're Gentile or whether you're Jewish here, you would recognize that God uh, is, that the word is God there. So this next saying, uh, what does he say? He says, the word was with God. The word was with God. Here we're told that in the beginning the word created all things, or the word was there, and the word was with God. That little word with is another very important small word for us. What we think of the word with is just merely next to or alongside of. This morning, if you came with someone else, you came with them, right? But there's actually an intimacy involved in this little word. 
The word doesn't really mean with or alongside of. It means toward. So that in the beginning, the word was toward God. Get this idea. That the word was face to face with God in intimate communion. They were intimately involved with each other. It's the idea of that we understand in young love. When you first meet uh, the person that you, you fall in love with them, and what do you want? You want to constantly be face-to-face with them. Some of you, whenever you met your husband or your wife, all you wanted to do was to gaze into their eyes for as long as you possibly could hold that gaze, right? Caleb is smiling now because he's newly married, and he understands what that's like, right? Now, we all understand after you've been married a while, that kind of fades away. But here, what we see is that in the beginning... The Lord was there with God, and his gaze never was off of of God. That he was always toward God. That he was intimately with him. And it's a beautiful picture of communion that we have of the word with God. And we always think of the word, here's what's interesting. As I'm speaking, I'm using words, and what are my words doing? My words are moving away from me. But here, the language is the word is moving toward God. Isn't that interesting? The, the word is moving toward an intimacy and communication, intimate communication with God. A beautiful picture uh, of where Jesus Christ was and who he was in the beginning. And then he doesn't stop there. He blows our lid even further. This is what we're told. He was in the beginning, or the word was with God, and the word was God. It wasn't just that he was with God. That he was next to him or with him or toward him, but that he was God himself. And then he doesn't stop there because he reiterates the point for us. He was in the beginning with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, the word is God. So here's what we know. Here's the application of this to us. If you want to know God, then you need to know the word. God reveals himself to us through his word. There are a lot of people who want to have a knowledge of God outside of the word of God. But how does God communicate himself to us? It is through the word that we can know God. You cannot have God any other way because that is the means that he has chosen to reveal himself to us. It is through his word. So that's the first thing we see, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the pre-existing Word of God. Secondly, we see that He is the Creator in verse 3. Look at verse 3 with me. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything was made that was made. Notice the progression of thought. John begins before the beginning, and now he's going to the time when time began in creation. The time that we have in Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 3. Where was Jesus? What was he doing? Well, we're told that all things were made through him, and without him not anything was made. All things were created by him or through him. So John goes from pre-creation to creation. And we're told here that the word created all things. Uh, as I just did with the children, you remember, uh, what do we know from Genesis chapter 1? That in the, in the beginning God said, God spoke in the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light, all right? We also know here from this that everything that was made, everything that has been made in this world, was made through him, and nothing exists apart from the creative activity of the word. 
There are two types of things in this world. There are created things and non-created things. The created things are God, or non-created things are God. I almost slipped into heresy there. All right, glad I corrected myself. The created things are the non-created things. It's God. And then there's everything else. God is apart and by himself. There are only two things, non-created things and created things. You and I are things that are created. What this does for us and what John is doing is he's resetting our minds so that we think biblically. Ever since Genesis chapter 3 with the fall of mankind, what we tend to do is we tend to put ourselves in that category of non-created things. And we think that we've already always existed and we've always had our existence and we aren't something that was created. And if that's the case, then we can determine how our lives go. We can determine for ourselves the things that happen in our life. But here, John is resetting our mind by saying that all things that were created were made through him and we are in that set. So what do we learn from this? What do we learn? If Jesus Christ is the word... And we're told that he is, and all things were made through him. And without him, not anything was made that was made. And we are his creatures. Then this world and everything in this world belongs to Jesus Christ. It is his. It is not ours. We cannot use the things of this world the way that we want. Everything in this world belongs to him. And implicit in this, John is calling us to submit to the creator. You are not the creator. You need to submit to the one who created all things. And yet we rebel, don't we? Even this morning, we have rebelled against the creator by sinning against him in the way that he has made this world. We sin against him and that's why we have the word to recorrect our thoughts and to be reminded that there is the word of God preexisting before all the worlds who created the worlds and our lives are not our own. We must submit to him. And then we see also in verses 4 and 5 that the Lord Jesus Christ is the life and the light of men. Look at 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome him. We see here that in him was life, first of all. Very simple Simple statement, in him was life. Uh, The normal word for life, and it's a word that you and I understand and know from our science classes, the usual word for life is bios, biology. That's where we get that root. And that is normal physical life. But that's not the word that John uses here. The word that he uses here is zoe. In him was zoe. And this is a spiritual life. In him is is um, in the Lord Jesus Christ is true life, not just the physical life, but the spiritual life. And everything that has animation, animation and everything that has, that has been created has this sort of thing in it, not that everything is God, but that everything has been created and has this side of thing from it, that it is zoe, not just bios, but zoe. All right? Um, that's not to say that everything is God or anything like that. It's to say that he created everything that with Zoe and through Zoe. There, this word occurs 37 times in John's gospel. And every time it's talking about eternal life. Every time eternal life. And so what we have this is in the word is eternal spiritual life. And what are we told? That Zoe 
and the life was the light of men. The word is life, and it is the only light of men. Everyone wants enlightenment. Everyone wants to know more and to be enlightened. There are a whole uh, series of philosophical movements that are all about this idea of enlightenment and wanting enlightenment. Everyone in this world says they want it, they're searching for it, they're seeking it. Where do we find it? Well, John's Gospel says we only find enlightenment in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only found in the Word. And then it goes on from there, and John completes this thought. He says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Depending on your translation... If you have the New King James, it's probably going to say something like comprehend. Um, And that's what the old King James says. It has not uh, comprehended it. Some of the newer translations use that word instead of overcome as mastered. Uh, But this idea of overcoming and mastering goes back to the idea of comprehending. When you comprehend, when you understand, what have you done? You have overcome that thing because you gather it and you, you, you have it in your mind And you have mastered that thing. That's what it means to comprehend. And what do we see here? That the light shines into the darkness and the darkness does not understand it or comprehend it or overcome the light. This is the nature of light. I've had a lot of dark nights recently. All nights are dark. But I've had a lot of them with Jason as we're taking care of him and walking to the house with a little baby in my arms trying not to wake up Amy searching and groping for a light, and then once you find it, you flip the light on, and what happens? The light takes over the whole room, and it's funny because Jason's eyes, they get real big, whoop, pops out, his eyes get real big, and he's like, oh, the light is here, right? And that's what we see here. The light shines in the darkness. The light overwhelms and overcomes the darkness, and the darkness can do nothing to stop the light. And yet, that's what the darkness wants to do. The darkness wants to overcome the light, and it cannot do it. Darkness has not mastered the light. It will not overcome it, and the darkness cannot stop the light. Good news to you and I. What do we do with this information? What do we do with this theology? What do we do with these deep thoughts about God? Well, some people reject it, and they say, no, the Lord Jesus Christ can't be God. It's not possible. Some people simply ignore it, and they act like they can just put him on a shelf and ignore it. But we need to accept that this is the truth, that Jesus Christ is the preexistent word. He is the creator, and he is the light and the life of men. If we want to have light and enlightenment, we must get it only from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one where we can have it. If we want to have life, we get it from him. We need to recognize that this world is his, and we belong to him, and we bow before it. And we recognize that he is the preexisting word of God. That he has existed through eternity, in eternity, with no beginning and no end. What do you do with that information? Well, you must bow before it. The only appropriate response is worship. We tend to worship the things of this world, the things that are created, because you know we're, we're, we think they're pretty, or we think they're nice, or we think they're cool. We're captivated by the things of this world, and yet only Jesus Christ who is God, is the one that should be worshipped. We're not dealing here with harmless myths or idle tales. Um, A lot of people think that this is simply just a myth that Jesus was God. It's not simply a myth or an idle tale. 
This is life and death stuff to you and I. This is the sort of stuff that really should encourage our hearts, that should give us a desire to know him more, to be with him more, to worship him more. And really what this is is a call to arms to not allow the world to simply say that Jesus Christ is just a teacher or a philosopher or a social reformer or any of those things. This is a call to arms for God's people. Because what happens when you come into contact with something bigger than yourself? What happens when you fall into the pool of water and it overcomes you? What do you do? Well, in that water, you fight against it and you you just hope that you can be saved and that sort of thing. Well, we are drowning in this word today and it's a good word for us. And the good news is that the word has not left us alone, that he saves us by his grace, by his mercy. During the Easter season, we are celebrating the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is God. He has communicated himself to us through his word, and we long to meet with him, to see him, to, meet, to, to see the risen Lord and Savior, to, to, to love him. And we need that. The good news is for us is that uh, he's given us his word, but he's also given us this table that we come to today, where we can meet with him. He's promised to meet with us in a real and spiritual way. He has shown us his grace and mercy and what he has done uh, by giving up his body and his blood for us. Next week, we're going to look at Jesus Christ as uh, who who he is as a human. And we're going to see that he gave up his life for us as a sacrifice for us so that we can be in relationship with him. So let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we move into the next portion of our service. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for giving us this word. Father, I thank you that you communicate yourself to us through this word. And Father, I pray that you would help us now as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Lord, it is his meal to us that reminds us of his grace and mercy, reminds us of his person and work. And we pray, Father, that you would be pleased to use it for the sake of spreading your kingdom and your gospel. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. As the elders come forward.